Well, that was beautiful. The Lord be with you, Fellowship Church. Numerous times in Scripture, we are referred to as children of God, which makes us, as followers of Jesus, brothers and sisters with one another. So take a moment to say greetings, brother, or greetings, sister, to those seated next to you uh, as we begin worship this morning. We might even give you another chance to do that with the passing of the peace later, but this morning, I want to remember that we are a part of the family of God, and this familiness transcends those that are seated next to us. It transcends our church uh, locally here, Fellowship Church, whether we're worshiping here or online. Welcome to those that are online. It transcends even our denomination, the Reformed Church in America, and it certainly even transcends our country's boundaries. The family of God is greater and grander than anything we can probably really imagine. Uh, Today uh, is World Communion Sunday, the first Sunday in October. Churches from across the globe, across the family, mark this as a day to celebrate at the Lord's table together because we one day will be one with God and one with one another. To the degree that we experience that unity today might be a bit fractured, to say the least, but there will come a day when we will all be gathered together around the throne of God as one people, as one big family. We know this because Revelation gives us a vision of it from chapter 7. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, saying, La salvación viene de nuestro Dios, que está sentado en el trono, y del Cordero. Wokovu ni wa mwenyezi mungu aketie kwenye kiti cha enzi na komwana kondo. And in English, we'll say together, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Around the world, people gather to break bread and to pour wine. We gather with them in heart and mind. Around the world, the broken body is made whole. As part of the body, we join in its unity. Around the world, the banquet of God is prepared for the table. We who share in the banquet come eagerly to be fed. Let us worship together. Let us share in God's bounty. Would you stand and sing with us?
This morning's prayer um, is adapted from the prayer of a person who has left a long shadow uh, over the world and over the church, uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu. Uh, so join me in, in these words. Um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in you and because of you, goodness is stronger than evil, love is stronger than hate, light is stronger than darkness, life is stronger than death. And victory is ours through him who loves us. Oh, when will we ever learn that you intended us for shalom, for wholeness, for peace, 
for fellowship, for togetherness, for brotherhood, for sisterhood, for family? And when will we learn that you created us as your children, as members of one family, your family, the human family, created us for linking arms to express our common humanity? And yet, God our Father, we are filled with anguish and bewilderment. Why, O oh God, is there so much suffering, such needless suffering and pain, such needless pain? Why must there be so much killing and so much death and destruction and so much bloodshed, so much oppression and injustice and poverty and hunger, so much greed and envy and hatred and corruption? We can't fathom why, oh, why must there be so much pain and suffering in your creation, so very good and beautiful? And yet this is the world that you love so much that for it, you gave your only begotten son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to hang from the cross, done to death. Love nearly overwhelmed by hate, light nearly extinguished by darkness, life nearly destroyed by death, but not quite. For the resurrection of Jesus Christ is only the beginning of what is to come when goodness ultimately vanquishes evil and when love ultimately vanquishes hate and when life ultimately vanquishes death and when light ultimately vanquishes darkness. And we can live in hope for that day. Until then, teach us that we may learn until then, nourish us that we may grow. Until then, sustain us that we may persevere. And all so that we may be conformed to the image of your son, who is the firstborn of the new creation that we hope for. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that we have peace with God and peace with one another. And so the peace of Christ be with you. Uh, at this time, you may exchange the sign of peace with those around you. Well, good morning, church and friends and guests. The Lord be with you. As we continue in worship this morning, it is my great joy to remind you of our mission purpose, the reason we exist as a church. It is our hope. It is our work. It is our prayer that we at Fellowship Church would be a people who love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. And we really do try to filter everything we do through that particular lens. That's the people we want to be here together and are eager for others to join us in it. One way to step into that particular life and mission together here at Fellowship Church, especially if you're new, would be to fill out one of our connection cards. They're available at our Welcome Center just outside of the sanctuary. We'd love to get, know, get to know you and are eager for more and more and more folks to be belonging, growing, and serving with us because there's always room for one more. There's always room for you. One way to step into supporting the mission and ministry of Fellowship Church to uh, ensure that uh, the good work that God is doing in and through us here in our ministry and our missions is by the giving of our tithes and our offerings. And you are certainly welcome to join in on that as well. You can give in the giving bowls that are available at the back of the sanctuary or also online. As always, many of the details for our life together are outlined, especially the most recent things in our bulletin where you can read about care concerns and discipleship classes and opportunities to serve in various ways uh, here at Fellowship Church. I'll highlight a few things. Uh, first is that you'll notice in our prayer concerns, there are uh, people to be praying for, particularly this week. And since the printing of the bulletin, there's a few additions. Uh, Linda Camper has a surgery tomorrow, Monday. And then also Marshall Bruchart has a surgery this coming Thursday. So if you could be keeping them alongside the others in your prayers as this week unfolds, that would be wonderful. Also in the bulletin this week, you'll notice an invitation uh, to a grief class. 
Uh, it starts October 11, uh, and you're invited to sign up for that, particularly if you're going through a particular hardship or any kind of loss uh, to join in that class. And then also in the bulletin, you'll find an invitation to join the choir, okay? And Jess says, anybody can join the choir except Nate Skipper. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> maybe Nate Skipper, maybe. No. We'd love to have you join the choir. If you'd like to join your voices in praising God, uh, you're welcome for that. Details are in the bulletin uh, as well. Today's a big day. Uh, it is World Communion Sunday, and soon we will be gathering at the table of our Lord Jesus Christ for communion. And then we intend to go from table to table, from the communion table to the lunch table. In the gym, there's a, a spread, a choose-your-own-adventure style uh, way to enter into our meal that includes Dutch and Mexican and Ethiopian and all kinds of different foods available uh, to eat together. Uh, it'll be a fun time. We look forward to joining you together at the lunch table. Also today... It's a busy day, you may have already noticed, is what we're calling Parish Sunday. One of the ways that we organize our church into subsections, smaller sections, is into neighborhoods. Uh, and you are in a parish somewhere because our maps go out to the ends of the earth. So you're in a parish somewhere. And today is an invitation to find your place on our map out there if you don't already know what your parish is. And then you have a chance to meet and greet the uh, parish elder and deacon. We have these nifty cards out there, which are fun. They include a photo and contact information, but also things like their yuckiest food, first big concert, favorite Bible character, and things like that. They're fun little things front and back. Uh, we're hoping for you to have the chance to get to know your parish elder and deacon if you don't yet. So swing by those tables on your way over to the meal tables, uh, and, and we'll continue having a great day, to get, day together today in that way. Last but not least, we have uh, an invitation from a video to join a mission trip to Nicaragua. Take a look. Fellowship family, we're going to Nicaragua at the end of February. Listen in to why you should come. Uh, being an engineer, I was asking, it's like, what are we going to do? But it's not about doing, it's about a relationship. So all of the trips are focused on building relationships with our mission partners, either between Bluefields or CEPOD. And I don't know much about Central America. So in terms of learning new geography and new countries, it was a good opportunity for me to do that. Yep. I would just strongly encourage you, if you have any desire to see God working in other parts of the world, there's so much more to the world than just, you know, what we have in our own neighborhood here, our own fellowship. As we prepare to continue in worship, it's fun to name that we're about to sing a song called Waymaker, and that song is written by a woman named Sinak. She is from Nigeria. Uh, fitting to our global context is a song we've sung often together, but also fun to recognize, written by a woman in a different setting. Uh, she's a singer, a songwriter, and a worship leader, so we'll join our voices together with that familiar song. But as we stand to do that, I want to also say, kids, you are dismissed to go off to your uh, worship discipleship places, and we'll invite some of you back to join us at the communion table. We look forward to that. The rest of you, please stand and let's worship together with Waymaker.
never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. This, mor this morning, Fellowship family, we welcome into uh, our pulpit this morning uh, the Reverend Dr. Chuck Van Ingen, the one and only. You might not know him yet, but you will soon. He is a missiologist, professor emeritus of biblical theology and mission at Fuller Theological Seminary. Ooh. Yeah. He was also an adjunct professor of some of your own pastors at Western Theological Seminary. He has written a prolific number of books, including, uh, but not limited to, his most recent one uh, on RCA Global Missions uh, called The Servant. We even have a few extras uh, in the we office. Do have extra you, we have a few extras in the, in the office if you'd like to pick one up. Is there, are they free? I wonder if you'd even sign them for people. I could sign them. Yeah, yeah. The very author or editor, maybe, is the whatever the proper title. More importantly, uh, Chuck Vining uh, is a, a mission partner of Fellowship Church and works in Latin America, training and equipping pastors to become um, professors. Uh, so that they might be uh, uh, more um, led and taught by folks from their own region. We're grateful for his ministry there, but also uh, grateful that Chuck and Jean, his wife, uh, find their residence here in Holland and usually find their residence on Sunday morning, right, where Jean is sitting uh, in the back here uh, during the 10.30 service. We're really grateful to have you uh, here to preach this yeah, morning. When as we're a... in town, you, you see us down that's there. That's right, that's right. Yeah. That, that, that isn't, that, we're, we're not taking attendance here for you or for anybody <laughs> for that right. matter, right? Right? Well, about time the Van Ingen showed up again. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Let's give uh, Chuck uh, a warm welcome to Fellowship Church. Chuck, I, I did forget to mention that you were also uh, the president of the Reformed Church in America's oh. General Synod. You know, I, I forgot your bio is too Great long. Great honor. Yes, you can Google him. That's how important he is. You know. Let's pray. God, thank you for Chuck Vining and for who he is by nature and by grace uh, and for who you're making him to be. And I thank you uh, for his passion and zeal for you, his love for you and for your church uh, that he uh, has dedicated his life to. We pray that as he has built up so many around the world that he might build us up this morning and that we might get uh, just a little, a little bit of his zeal uh, for your mission in this world. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you. It is a joy to, uh, to be with you. Um, good morning. Buenos dias. And it is a joy to be, to be with you. If you have your uh, pew Bibles, I would ask you to open them on page 43. The text that we're going to be reading will also be on the screen, but you may find it helpful to kind of take a look at it. Um, it uh, I, I just praise God for the opportunity to be with you today. Today is the uh, Worldwide Communion Sunday. It was founded in uh, 1933 by a Presbyterian um, uh, a pastor in Pittsburgh uh, as a special time to recognize and celebrate our oneness around one table and our oneness in Christ as Christians around the world. Uh, then other denominations, especially the mainline denominations, joined in, and over time, this has become a, a, a global event. And this is a great opportunity for Gene and me to be able to thank you as a church for your uh, continued support 
of our ministry. We're so deeply grateful for your uh, support of the Latin American doctoral program that we founded uh, in 2000, and we continue to uh, train leaders who are already leaders, uh, presidents of seminaries, heads of denominations, pastors of large churches who need to do uh, PhD studies for so that they can be teaching in their master's level programs. And so we get to be all over the continent. Uh, pray for us because Jane and I are now working. We're convening uh, over 40 of our graduates and, uh, and other uh, core faculty uh, in Panama this coming March. And that takes a lot of work. So I, I'd appreciate your prayers. Um, when, when Ross invited me to preach, he said, I want you to preach about Shipra and Pua. And I said, what, what? <laughs> I thought he said shipwreck. Uh, <laughs> no, about Shipra and Pua. And I said, who, the, who is Shipra and Pua? And he says, well, read Exodus 1, didn't we? Uh, and so he says, read Exodus 1. So if you have your Bibles there, um, I want to talk about women in God's mission today. Women in God's mission today. As we read the story uh, in, in Exodus. In the Old Testament narrative, it's not just history. It's more than that. It's revelation. It is a... A, a, a way of our learning how God worked in mission. And if we can learn how God worked in mission, we can understand how he works today and into the future uh, in mission. So it's a narrative theology, actually. And the book of Exodus, yes, is about the freeing of the slaves, but actually it's about God's mission. And it's about God's mission creating a unique people the people of Israel. Um, and the beginning of that book are these words that I had not paid much attention to for a long time. So I want to read to you um, Exodus 1, 6 to uh, 21 or 22. Uh, and, um, uh, and I'm going to read it rather quickly. I'm going to read it as a story. The Pentateuch was repeated by memory for several centuries, word for word, and passed on from generation to generation. And, um, and this has a humorous little piece to it, uh, this passage, and it's a story. So I'm going to read this story. Lord Jesus, come and teach us about your mission so we may participate in your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. <clears throat> they multiplied. They had a lot of children. Increased in numbers. Became so numerous that the land was filled with them in Goshen, in part of the Nile Delta. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies and fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Python and Ramses. These, this is the 19th dynasty that created all of the pyramids, storehouses for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar and all kinds of work in the fields. And in all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. And the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Pua. 
when you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see the baby as a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. And then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? Now, I think when this was recited by memory, the people of Israel just laughed. Listen, the midwives answered Pharaoh, oh, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous and they give birth before the midwives arrive. <laughs> so God was kind to the midwives and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, every Hebrew boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. This is the word of God. A missionary reading of this story you will find three parts to it. Two women, their vocation, and their shadow. Two women, their vocation, and their shadow. Two women, agents of God's mission. Their vocation, the means of God's mission in this story. And their shadow, the results of God's mission. Women as agents of God's mission. The, uh, there was a dynasty of Egypt, the Hyksos dynasty. People from the surrounding areas all had a, had a, a common wealth that, that ruled Egypt. And then there's a change. There's a change to, uh, to, to the Ramses uh, dynasty, the 19th dynasty. And that's why it says, the Pharaoh didn't know Joseph. The Pharaoh in Joseph's day respected the God creator of heaven and earth. When Joseph interprets the dream, that Pharaoh says, okay, well, what, what do we do? This new dynasty was in the process of deification, deifying and deification of the, of the Pharaoh, uh, which is the, the heart of the pyramids. Um, and, and, and he was afraid that this other group of people was, uh, was going to take uh, over power. He wants to consolidate power. Uh, and so he has an idea of ethnic genocide. But the two women, the two women choose civil disobedience, that they will obey God and not the ruler, which the disciples later in Jerusalem under persecution say the same thing. And when I read about, what was it, what were their, their names? You can, you can help, I'm a Mexican, okay? Shipra and Pua, just in case you've never heard about them, they're there. Um, Shipra and Pua, when I thought about two women, I began to think, um, where are the stories in the rest of the Bible about two women? There's, there's stories about uh, about women individually like Esther um, uh, and others, but two women. And because our time is short, let me just mention a few. Ruth and Naomi. Um, Mary and Elizabeth, both pregnant women. Mary the youngster spending three months with the older one being discipled. Um, Mary and Martha of Bethany, uh, where Jesus' headquarters always was when he went to Jerusalem. Um, the two women, two Marys, who go to the empty tomb. And Lois and Eunice, grandmother and mother of the bicultural person who is the most important pastor of a congregation in the New Testament, Timothy. Two women that God wants to use. Um, 
And this story is told over many centuries, over and over again. And it, it is so humorous. What are their names? They are essentially nurses. They are midwives. They help the Hebrew women with birthing, which, as you know, in much of the world is an incredibly dangerous moment in the life of a woman. And they are midwives. Uh, and, and the humor that Pharaoh says now, uh, when it's a boy baby, you're going to take it and, uh, you know, and get rid of it. And they say, oh, yeah, but the women, they, you know, they, they give birth so fast. Uh, and the, and, the, and the, the interesting part of the story, the Pharaoh doesn't quite know what to do about it. And these two women participate in God's mission. Within their sphere of influence, within their vocation, two women, vocation. God uses them to preserve the lives of the boy babies within their vocation. Because God's mission always works through our different vocations. And their vocation was being midwives. Um, and, uh, and, and as we read about them, when I was reading about these two midwives, I got to thinking about others and the history in the shadow. I'm going to anticipate the shadow because one of them in the shadow is Florence Nightingale. She was the first one to, she was the founder of modern nursing. Um, she kept hundreds, maybe thousands of soldiers alive during the Crimean War. I looked up Wikipedia, has 34 pages on Florence Nightingale. Deeply personal, loved Jesus, and was the one who started nursing. Um, what are their names? Yeah. Two women in their vocation. Starting in the 40s, 50s, 60s, Wycliffe Bible translators, wanting to translate the Bible, um, uh, uh, would organize teams of two women, sent them all over the world, uh, usually a translator and a nurse. And the Four of the langu Mayan languages in Chiapas were first put in written form and the dictionaries created in each case of the Mayan languages by two women from Wycliffe Bible translators uh, in the languages of the Mayans. That's part of my story. Uh, uh, and the church would not have even started in some areas of the state of Chiapas. Now the church has grown, 17 presbyteries, um, uh, larger than the RCA, but it started with two women. And if I had time, I'd tell you all their stories. Uh, a translator and usually, and a nurse. And that got me thinking uh, about the little book that we did. Did, did. Yeah, you left it here. Um, I had a great fun. Gene, I, with Sally Tapley, uh, edited this book. It's a marvelous story, short story, of the RCA's work around the world. How did it get started and who, who did it? Each chapter is about five or six pages, and we found experts to write us the pages. And if you look through here carefully, you will discover that the, the Reformed Church in America, women, the women of the Reformed Church, they were the first ones to support David Abiel to go to China. They were the, the women were the first ones to support Samuel Zwemer to go to the Middle East and Arabia. They were the first ones to support the Scudder family um, in India and 
the granddaughter, Ira Scudder, Ida, Ida Scudder, founded a school of nursing in India that is still the prestigious number one school of nursing in India, the one found, founded by her. It was the women who had the vision of opening a school in Anvil, Kentucky. It was the women who decided that they would uh, help the formation of five Native American churches. It was the women, well, it was two women in New Jersey who invited a man pastor to accompany them and they rode 3,000 miles from New Jersey to the southern tip of Chiapas where Jean and I lived. Very hot, very tropical. They had heard that there was a small group of believers there. They returned home and they discovered that a young couple, he'd grown up on the farm in Sioux Center, Iowa, and she grew up in Third Reformed Holland, and he was graduating from Princeton, and so the women hired him to go to Chiapas. So that's part of my story. That's where I grew up. And it's the women in their vocation. Two women, agents of God's mission, vocation, the means, and their shadow. The two women cast a shadow, not in the negative sense of, uh, uh, of oppression, but in the positive sense of influence and, 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 and sort of encouragement and helping us move into a new future. Shipra and Pua, those names have been in here for centuries. Shipra and Pua. Because of them, Moses is saved. Because of them, Exodus happens. Because of them, Israel comes to be. Because of them, Jesus, the Messiah. Because of them, you and I and the church know Jesus. Shipra and Pua. The rest of the story flows from the story of Shipra and Pua. Two women, through their vocation, casting a shadow. Hmm, who's in the shadow? Maybe several hundred Philippine women, Christian women, who are serving in the households of the Saudi royal family and are evangelizing the Saudi family. We don't say that publicly very often. But I got to thinking, who's in that shadow? And I, I couldn't resist. I, I had to tell you about Sarah Doremus, the mother of American mission sending. Sarah Doremus. Now, that's the only picture I could find. I, I found, um, I don't know, eight or ten different sources telling about her, and everyone used the same picture. So that's, that's all we got. Now, let me read you about this woman. And maybe you'll get an idea what the author of Exodus was trying to tell us about, um, uh, 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 about Shipra and Pua. Sarah Doremus was the wife of a New York City merchant and mother of nine children. She had, I think, at least three gifts, gift of hospitality, gift of networking, and gift of administration. She had eight, eight, son, uh, eight daughters, one son, and a number of, of children she adopted. She became the member of the South Reformed Church in Brooklyn, New York, when she married and continued her Presbyterian family's tradition of mission interest and charitable activity. Listen to this. In 1821, she organized the Ladies' Relief Society to alleviate the suffering of Greek women. She helped to found and lead the Women's Prison Association and the New York House and School of Industry. 
She founded the nursery and child's hospital, the Presbyterian Home for Aged Women, the Women's Hospital in New York City. She also distributed tracts, collected medical supplies, and raised funds for worthy causes. Doremus became interested uh, in foreign missions as a child from her mother. In 1861, after hearing a missionary from Burma tell of the needs of women, Doremus became the founding president of the Women's Union Missionary Society. And if you trace the history of the Women's Union of Missionary uh, 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 the missionary society. Later on, it became denominational societies like, uh, like the RCA had. By the turn of the century, 1900, uh, those societies combined um, uh, were raising about $8 million a year. And 75% of all the people sent from the U.S. in mission to other parts of the world were women supported by the women. Uh, I have to watch out the time here. Um, from its headquarters at her home, she directed its activities until her death. Throughout her life, Doremus, Doremus assisted missionaries of many denominations by providing hospitality, outfits, money, uh, uh, correspondence, and support. Besides the Women's Union Missionary Society, she raised money for schools in Hawaii, and in 1835 organized a mission society to support Swiss Baptist work in Canada. An ecumenist at heart, she made the, final, uh, the first financial contribution for Methodist women's work in North India. Her efforts in behalf of the sick and wounded soldiers, both North and South during the Civil War, occupy an important place among her many noble works. And that's not the whole story. One woman, her vocation, used by God, Sarah Doremus, in the shadow. Hmm. I invite you to think of who else is in that shadow. What women come to your mind? What women come to your mind because they influenced your life? I often mention Mrs. Van der Stoop, my sixth grade Sunday school teacher under the wooden steps of Trinity Reformed Church, Orange City. Mm, I could name many, but I got to thinking about Aunt Crystal, Crystal Maynard at a particular time, well, my wife and I were in Tapachula in southern Mexico, and uh, we had a seminary going and a coffee ranch, uh, and we're building a new house, and Jean had a baby, and she's holding the baby, um, editing my dissertation, and Crystal comes down, and we rented an electric, C-electric typewriter. That was before the before the computers, and Crystal Maynard for about six weeks. All she did, about eight or nine hours, she had been a legal secretary, and she typed my dissertation because she could type error-free uh, all 550 pages to be sent to the Netherlands. Crystal Maynard. I want to invite us all as we gather around this table to remember the women whom God has used to shape our lives and thank God for those women. I thank God for the women of Fellowship Church and their ministries and their leading us in ministries and women in, in Western Michigan and women I've known all over the world. Who is in the shadow with you? And so as we participate in the, in the supper of the Lord, we join one and a half billion others who are followers of Jesus, about 27% of the earth's population. And we join them
and we thank them for Shipra and Pua. And Lord Jesus, I thank you for these women. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Reverend, doctor, and friend. Friends, today we are recognizing that this table is deep. Historically, this table is wide geographically. And you may notice it's even in a different place for us, typically here at Fellowship Church. It's now down here on the floor, and some wonderful fellowshipians have helped to decorate this up to help it display that today is World Communion Sunday. And so on this table, I think we have an image for it, uh, is representing the three grains of the world, the three forms of bread, corn, wheat, and rice. We will have elements for you to be partaking of that are different than typical. You'll be able to select one of those as you partake of the elements this morning. We are seeking to recognize the table is deep. Historically, the table is wide geographically, and yet we come together to the one table of the Lord Jesus Christ because there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. There is one table, there is one kingdom, and there is one king. And we gather the whole world over to celebrate who he is and what he has done for us. At Fellowship Church, we come to this table and we welcome to this table all who love God and who are learning to follow Jesus. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy Father, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts of bread and wine, that the bread we break together and the cup we share together may retell our common stories together and reshape our common bonds together as we remember our special grace held in common together in the communion of the body and the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, the one in whose life and death you have torn down our common divisions. And so may we be one with all who share this feast on this day of all days and with all your children at every corner of your table. May we share this abundant cup with all those who thirst for your justice. And may we share this abundant bread with all those who hunger for your righteousness. And may we be united with every corner of your church, united in hope, united in vision, united in purpose, united in mission and ministry in every place. As this bread is Christ's body for us, send us from this table to be the body of Christ in all the world. Send us with a spirit of courage, a spirit of power, and a spirit of love that we may be witnesses in all creation to the unending story of your word breathing life into the dust. Keep us faithful and fruitful and hopeful and peaceful until we come at last to the one table of your kingdom to feast with all your saints and the joy of your eternal reign with you and with your word through Christ and in Christ, the one who came for us, who died for us, who rose for us and intercedes for us until we shall behold your face. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Friends, I invite you to remember with me the story of our Lord Jesus Christ now celebrated worldwide, the word made flesh for us and for our salvation. He eventually gathered his disciples around a table on the very night that he was to be betrayed. After he gave thanks, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. As often as you take of it, do so in remembrance of me. And that same night, after a little time it passed, Jesus took the cup likewise and he poured it full and he gave it to each of his disciples saying to them, this cup is the new covenant in my blood and as often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. Friends, the bread which we break and the cup which we bless is for us our communion in the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. At fellowship, we take communion by intinction, which means you take the bread and dip it in the cup. And remember, there will be a variety of breads for you to choose from as you come forward. Select one of those, dip it in the juice, and partake of the elements. You're invited to exit left and return right. And here at Fellowship Church, you can see the diagram behind me. Uh, we'll have four stations up front. 
You'll be invited to come forward when you are ready. We also have a gluten-free station over underneath the cross there. And if you'd like to stay where you are and have a roving elder bring the elements to you, simply raise your hand and they will bring those elements to you where you are. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Please give us a moment to make ready for you to come forward. Friends, come for all things are ready.
before the benediction, I want to ask for your prayer. It's kind of full circle. The search is on, has been going on for about five years now, for a woman, a nurse, who will dedicate five to six years uh, in the Evangelical Mission Hospital in Aswan, Egypt, on the shores of the Nile. So pray with me, we're looking for who Holy Spirit will lead. Now receive the benediction. Y ahora, mis amados hermanos, que la gracia de nuestro Señor Jesucristo, el amor de Dios el Padre y la consolación de su Santo Espíritu sea con todos vosotros y con vuestros familiares. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Heilige Geist. Amen.